we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core, a new week of The Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us today on the show. AFA at The Core here on American Family Radio. My name is Walker Wildman. We're going to have a special guest with us next segment here in about 15 to 20 minutes. We're going to have on... Judge Phil Ginn, he is the president of Southern Evangelical Seminary, so he'll be on to talk about the uh, Dobbs case that was went, uh, went before the Supreme Court out of Mississippi, challenging Roe versus Wade, so we'll talk about uh, that topic and uh, expand on that a little bit more to, um, to see um, where we go as a country should that case rule in favor of life and um, allow states to uh, restrict abortion, which is the killing of innocent babies. Let's be clear about that. So we'll talk with Judge Phil Ginn out of uh, Southern Evangelical Seminary next segment about that topic. Uh, In the meantime, I want to jump to our scripture of the week. We're in Psalm chapter 11. We're in Psalm chapter 11, and the author, the writer here, says, If the foundations are destroyed, in verse 3, he says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do? And you could take this, and you can apply it to your life as a believer, to your faith in Jesus Christ for eternal salvation, You could take this and apply it to your family situation. You could take this and apply it to your household. You can take this and apply it to any avenue of life, and the principle remains the same. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So as believers, our duty, our job is to ensure that we have a strong foundation. That we have a strong foundation. And the strong foundation in in the biblical context is that our foundation is rooted in Jesus Christ and his word. That is our foundation, and from that, um, Scripture says God will build his church. Uh, Jesus Christ will build his church. And so our foundation is important. We can get all caught up in uh, all the the other parts of a home, of a building. But if you if you if you get it wrong on the foundation, uh, then everything else will be faulty, everything else will crumble, everything else will ultimately fall. So let's make sure we focus on, the most important thing, and that is that we have a strong foundation as believers in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Uh, speaking of a strong foundation, you know, uh, my, my view of this whole situation in in Ukraine 
and 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 getting America involved in foreign affairs with American blood and, and, and American um energy and I'm not talking about oil and gas I'm talking about American energy the energy it takes for America to exert herself on the world stage that's what I'm talking about here um America's foundation is 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 shaky America's foundation is being eroded and and here we are getting our eyes taken off of that and drawn to a land far, far away. So we'll talk more about that here in a few minutes. Uh, before I jump into the news of the day, I want to let you know that we are taking listener testimonies, listener stories for our upcoming share For those who aren't familiar, we have a share a fundraiser for the ministry here twice a year in the fall and the spring. And so this upcoming spring, here in about a little over a month, about six weeks out, we're going to have our share and we want to hear from you. How has American Family Radio impacted your life? How has listening to American Family Radio impacted your life for the kingdom? 877-876-8893 is the number to call in. You'll be prompted to leave basically a voicemail. Just leave about a minute or two voicemail. Um explaining how AF, how God has used AFR to impact your life. 877-876-8893. 877-876-8893 is the number. Um, jumping into uh, what's going on in a land far, far away, uh, this situation in Ukraine is pretty serious. And so I don't want the listeners to think that I'm I'm downplaying it or I'm minimizing it or I don't sympathize or understand what the people uh, of Ukraine are going through. Um, I'm keeping up with it. I'm reading the same reports that you are about what's going on there. Um, so it's it's a pretty it's a bad situation for the people of Ukraine. Their country's been invaded by the Russians, and there's there's a lot of death going on, a lot of destruction, and a lot of displacement as far as um, Ukrainians that are fleeing. Their country, many of them, most of them going to Poland um, by the hundreds of thousands at this at this point. So this is this is overall a terrible situation. But the 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 that's that's the obvious. And so I could sit here for an hour and talk about how bad it is in Ukraine and then uh, go through and and play uh, clips of these uh, uh, very sad situations. And and we could do all that. uh, But that doesn't really get us anywhere. That doesn't really get us anywhere. That's just regurgitating what's going on, and you would have to be blind to not know what's going on in Ukraine. But instead, I I just don't want us to miss out on, number one, how we got here, and number two, what we should do. Because if you leave it up to the same people who have have been leading this country for for decades upon decades, if you leave it up to the same old guard, then they're going to convince you, the American public, that we need American boots on the ground in Ukraine to, quote, defend democracy. That's what they'll say. This is about defending democracy. And then if you dare to question the war narrative, then you are, you have a cold heart. You are very cold. You you have a you have no heart. 
you're mean-spirited, you're a nationalist, you're an isolationist, you don't care about other people, all right? And, and we're already hearing it now. I mean, you pretty much can't say anything such as, we should not intervene in Ukraine, because then you get told that you have no heart, you're mean-spirited, you're definitely not a Christian, if you don't want to go help these poor people in Ukraine. That's an emotional argument. That's an emotional argument, and the emotional arguments were made about Afghanistan, they were made about Iraq, and they've been made before. And so if we're not careful, if there are no people raising their hands saying, whoa, whoa, whoa now, slow down, <laughs> then, then before you know it, folks, and, and people say, Oh, oh, we, we, we uh, American troops aren't going into Ukraine. They're not a NATO member. They're not a NATO NATO member country. Whoa, no. Have you been seeing what this administration has been doing? There are things that they are doing that a year ago, two years ago, people would have said that'll never happen. We will never be uh, reliant on Russia for our energy. Oh, but we are now. <laughs> so so before you cast this off as conspiracy talk and and there will never be American boots on the ground in Ukraine, slow down. Our leaders have led us down more crazy paths before than this situation we're facing right now. Should America do everything in, in our power to help uh, the Ukrainians fend off Putin? Absolutely. But we don't need to send American troops to Ukraine. We don't need, in my opinion, we don't need to send American troops to flush up against the border of Ukraine. We've got some 20 plus, if not more, NATO member countries. Where are they? Where are they? And some of them actually border up, uh, uh, some of them border up against Ukraine, if I'm not mistaken. And so um, there's a lot involved here, uh, but I can hear the war drums beating right now as we speak. And we've just got to be very, very careful about how we respond to this. And our leaders have placed us in a position where we don't have the upper hand. We absolutely don't have the upper hand. I'm going to play uh, a clip here. This is, let's see where I want to go with this. This is, um, let's listen to clip four. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's listen to clip three. This is Representative... Mike Gallagher, he's a Republican. He's a congressman out of the state of Wisconsin. Let's listen to him and how he, the CNN host, is wanting to uh, uh, hit on former President Trump and somehow blame all this on Trump. Uh, but this representative, Mike Gallagher, draw, draws our attention on where the real issue is when it comes to energy policy in Washington, D.C. Clip three, let's listen. Speaking of things, uh, fiascos for Putin, what about fiascos for people here at home? Uh, the Republican Party is so divided now with President, former President Trump and Mike Pompeo praising Putin for being savvy, smart, a genius. That's now playing on Russian television as propaganda for them. Well, I really don't think anything that's being said on the golf course at Mar-a-Lago has any connection to the, the current crisis. I mean, Trump's been out of office for a year now. I think we really need to be focusing on whether our approach, and I say our, I mean, it's, not, it's the White House working with Congress whether it's working. My contention, my argument is that it's not, 
We need to learn from that failure and not get distracted by anything else and work in a bipartisan manner to fix that failure. And I do think the Republican Party, though there's disagreement uh, in both parties on whether we should have used more American combat power on the ground in Ukraine, whether the type of sanctions we need to put in place, I think at least there's agreement that our energy policy is totally counterproductive and misguided right now. I think the decision to allow Nord Stream 2 to go forward was disastrous. I think we need to be investing in domestic American energy production. And over the long term, that gives us an opportunity to wean our European friends off of their reliance upon Russian gas and Russian oil. So uh, there's always disagreements on foreign policy within the party, but this should lay bare who we're dealing with. You know, in bipartisan fashion, I think presidents in both parties have underestimated Putin. They've underestimated his ruthlessness. They've underestimated the scope of his ambitions. We need to understand how we've gotten that wrong for nearly two decades now and make sure we don't continue to get it wrong going forward. We're dealing with some dangerous people, some barbaric thugs in a dangerous world. And ultimately, American power is what guarantees the peace. That is what guarantees the peace. It's not statements out of Davos or dis getting disinvited from COP26. This is a this is a very, very dangerous moment. So he's right. Uh, our, our our energy policy is one of the main problems here. Our energy policy being that President Biden, his administration, took us from being 100% energy independent. We were actually exporting energy. And he took us from that in a matter of 12 months, and now we are buying Russian energy. We are buying oil from Russia. They are the number two importer of energy other than Canada, our, our, our brought past Canada. They're number two on the list of, of, uh, of countries that are importing energy into America. So tens of billions of dollars are going into Putin's coffers from American tax dollars and American consumers. And they think that, that flushing the vodka, the Russian-made vodka down the toilet, is going to do something. The problem here is that, that our leaders have put us in a position where we do not have the upper hand. And so until our leaders put us in a position of having the upper hand when we can, we have the ability to do that. Then I'm not going to talk about sending American soldiers to go fight Russia. How about we do everything we can without bloodshed using our economic and energy power before we start sending arms and sending Marines over to fight Vladimir Putin on Ukrainian soil? We'll be back in a few minutes. When a wicked man rules people groan. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Weak political leadership creates a void that is filled by despots and tyrants. Biden blocked the Keystone XL pipeline, one of several acts that terminated our newly minted national position as a net energy exporter. This told the world American energy independence was no longer a priority. Then Biden greenlit the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, strengthening Russia's hold on Europe generally and holding Germany hostage particularly. This gave leverage to that thug Vladimir Putin, which encouraged Russia's Ukraine invasion. Please pray for Ukraine. Pray for Europe. Pray for Russia and also pray for the United States of America. 
we must as a nation turn to Jesus. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. These days, family dinner can feel impossible. After all, with school, swim practice, dance class, and chorus concerts all happening in rapid succession, you're left with all of about 20 minutes to sit down, say grace, and wolf down some dinner. But studies show that eating dinner together as a family just four days a week has a range of positive effects on childhood development and family bonds. Gathering around a table has the power to transform relationships. Remember how Jesus ate with friends and the those farthest from God? For those struggling to make family mealtime a priority, try to get just one standard night on the schedule next week and give it a theme. Meatball Monday, Taco Tuesday, the possibilities are endless. An elaborate meal isn't the goal. Time together is. Like what you've heard? Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. AFA Foundation Director Riley Wildman. A charitable gift annuity is perfect for AFA supporters with an eternal perspective like Lucy Overstreet. Psalm 78 tells us that we are to tell our children and our grandchildren and the future generations after them what the Lord has done in our lives and what the Word of God says. Lucy's charitable gift annuity will keep supporting this ministry for generations. I wanted something that would have eternal value, and that's the way I think of the American Family Association investment. Contact Riley Wildman and her staff at the AFA Foundation and find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you. 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or visit our website, afafoundation.net. My life is not about me, it's about him. AFA at the Core podcast are available at afr.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to be with you today on the show. Our website is AFR.net, AFR.net. You can also download the American Family Radio app on your smartphone or your tablet device. Uh, We also have the AFR app on Roku devices and Apple TV devices and, of course, Amazon Alexa. So we try to... Uh, make the American Family Radio app available at your convenience wherever you listen to podcasts and wherever you listen to live audio. Uh, welcome, welcoming to the line we have with us, uh, Judge Phil Ginn. He's with the, he is the president of Southern Evangelical Seminary. Uh, Phil, uh, glad to have you on the show. My pleasure, Walker. Hope you're doing well today, sir. Doing very well. Hey, tell our audience, uh, maybe who aren't familiar, tell tell our audience a little bit about Southern Evangelical Seminary. Uh, Southern Evangelical Seminary is a is a uh, seminary that's located and Bible College as well. It's located in Charlotte, North Carolina. Founded uh, 30 years ago by a fellow by the name of Norm Geisler and another fellow by the name of Ross Rhodes. Who uh, uh, both of those uh, folks were very concerned about uh, the use of apologetics and defending the faith and and using that in discipleship and evangelism. And that's what we're about. Our uh, tagline is steadfast in the truth, and and with that, we're penetrating our culture uh, for the gospel. Amen. Well, uh, 
Uh, Phil, I want to ask you this. We just had the uh, the Supreme Court in recent uh, months has heard the uh, case regarding uh, the abortion case that originated out of Mississippi, uh, uh, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Center. And it really is, is, is an opportunity that we haven't had in a long time to undermine and, and possibly completely reverse Roe versus Wade when it comes to abortion and the taking of innocent life. Uh, there, there's a narrative out there that we get amongst the uh, major media conglomerates and the Democrat Party that somehow uh, undermining abortion or limiting abortion uh, hurts women. It's damaging to women's health. Uh, we've got this Senate bill that we'll talk about in a few minutes that's that's uh, percolating in Congress now. Uh, but but is it true that having less abortions and saving babies' lives is damaging to women's health? Well, there's that's obviously a multifaceted question. I mean, it's, there's not just one simple answer to it. But if you cast aside the whole idea that you're taking a human life, which uh, the folks who are pro-abortion would would not want us to think that, uh, you know, there, there is an emphasis that has been placed on the rights of minority women uh, to obtain abortions, which I find rather sadly ironic in that that was, uh, you know, the forerunner of uh, the modern abortion movement uh, was Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. She was all into this concept of eugenics, which basically is is racist, scientific racism mm. uh, that says we're going to uh, try to take away from one race for the uh, one segment of the population to benefit another segment of the population. And particularly in Mississippi, when you see that that minorities make up about uh, 46% of the, uh, 44% of the population and 80% of the women who receive abortions in Mississippi are people of color or women of color. Hmm. Um, then on tack on top of that, you've got 76% of the abortion clinics in the United States that are in urban and minority areas. So is this the, the old concept of eugenics, which is cropped back up, well, tonight, vehemently, but the statistics tend, tend to show us that that's exactly what's occurring here, particularly as it regards minority women. Yeah. On, on top of that, Walker, go ahead, excuse me. Yeah, and, and Phil, th- this is apparent not only in this critical issue of human life, but this, this, uh, this policy and this brutal uh, ideological impact on, on blacks, it goes across the board, not only with abortion— which is the most important issue of our day right now, but also when it comes to this, uh, the terrible economic impact of the Biden administration, uh, and, and you carry this over uh, to the breakdown of the family. I mean, this the the uh, blacks in our country are under attack politically by the left, but they claim to be the champions of minorities. Well, our entire welfare system that we've created is, is designed in and of itself to destroy the family. Mm. Uh, but if you stop to think about it, Walker, because we uh, we put uh, uh, money uh, toward uh, uh, unwed mothers uh, and deduct from them if they go get a good job or if they marry the man who is the father of their child, uh, they have a reduction in their in the services that we provide to them. 
and on top of that, then what does the young man do whose traditional role in the family has been provider and protector, mm-hmm. and they don't have that role, where do they go? And that's what, in my opinion, one of the reasons we have so many gangs that, that, that they really go into, uh, uh, and this is not just blacks, this is across the board. Yeah. Um, whatever color they may be, they, they, they go to the gangs to get some sense of family. Mm. Um, and, and if you go back to critical theory, which is the basis of critical race theory and black lives movement, it goes all the way back to Marxism. Um, and that's one of the things we're teaching right now at SES. We've got a course, uh, coming out on, uh, on dealing with Christian, Christian philosophy versus that of Marxism and critical theory. And, and, and when you break it down, it uh, Marxism and critical theory just makes absolutely no sense. Mm. You're exactly right. And 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 do you think? And, and by the way, I applaud you guys over at SES for combating this, but also providing a biblical view of the issues. And I think that's so missing today in in America's churches. And there are many faithful pastors, faithful congregations that are. Uh, uh, addressing uh, issues from a biblical perspective, but there are so many that don't want to touch on the hot-button issues of our day. We, we cannot avoid this. We have to teach the whole counsel of God. Uh, Judge, uh, last thing I want to ask you is, do you, in, in your opinion, do you think that there is a turning of the tide? Do you think there's a, a turn towards recognizing God's truth for humanity, God's design for uh, that we're all created in his image. Do you think there's a turning to, to recognize God's truth? Uh, my answer to that is possibly. And, and the reason that I say that is that I do think that our younger generation is, is really right now seeking for an answer in a chaotic world. Um, uh, the gods of this world bring chaos. The God of the Bible brings order. And mm. I think that there is a sincere need for that. Now, the reason that I, I'm hedging is that I'm not sure the church in America is prepared to lead the way for that. Mm. Um, we, we've got some serious issues within Christianity. Um, we, you know, Barna's research a few years ago indicated that 15% of the people and sitting in a pew in the evangelical church on any given Sunday morning, know what they believe and why they believe it. The other 85% don't have a clue. Hmm. Um, and, and so the church has failed to bring good reason, uh, along with the gospel, uh, to answer the questions, just like Paul did at, Are- at his sermon on the Areopagus. He took the Athenians where they were and led them forward to, uh, to an understanding of the gospel message. And that's what we're about at SES. Uh, we take people where they are, answer their questions to the best we can uh, in regard to uh, issues that they have with faith. And, and Christianity's got good answers. Mm-hmm. We're the only we're the only faith that has good answers. Um, and so that's where uh, that's where we come into. If your folks are interested in it, we've got a uh, an apologetic conference uh, coming up April eighth and 9th in Rock Hill, South Carolina got a good lineup of people from uh, uh, folks who do scientific uh, uh, research uh, about uh, uh, faith and, and uh, resurrection research about faith. Uh, just uh, just really good, solid answers to questions that people have. Hmm. Uh, 
that's what we're about. And, and as we say, we're going to stand steadfast in the truth and as long as the Lord allows, and we're going to turn out people who are willing to penetrate our culture for the gospel. Amen. And, and, and Judge Gann, there is a thirst for that. Yeah, there is a thirst for that. Uh, there is no doubt about it. Yeah. And, and, and it's up to the church in America to provide that uh, for them. Amen. Um, and and we're we're not prepared to do that as yet. I uh, we, we I, I've argued several uh, years now that our children are our biggest uh, mission field, and we're just not. Uh, I, I wrote an article that appeared in Christian Post not uh, too many days back that said this is our Esther moment in the church. Mm. Uh, this is the time where we have to decide if we're going to stand firm. Amen. Um, and I'm calling on Christians everywhere to to, to do just that. Amen. Hey, Judge Ken, uh, appreciate you coming on, and we'll have you back on sometime. Hey, I'd love to. Always enjoy being with you. Thank you so much, Walker. All right. Keep up the good work there uh, at Southern Evangelical Seminary. All right. There you have it, folks. SES.edu is that link. We'll post that on our podcast page as well, SES.edu. That was Judge Phil Gann, president of Southern Evangelical Seminary. But he's right. We have to be ready. The church has to be ready, and you know, we had on Pastor Joseph Parker a couple of weeks ago talking about how um, uh, churches need to begin and Christians need to begin preparing for the day that Roe v. Wade is overturned, uh, because there are going to be thousands, uh, if not millions, of babies that are going to need a home. They're going to need a family. They're going to need parents. Um, and so we need to be ready to to take up the call to... Uh, to adopt, to foster, to do whatever we have to do uh, to ensure those uh, babies that were saved from abortion uh, have a place to go, have a place to live, and we're able to support uh, mothers who choose life and uh, and just be the church. But we've got to be ready for that. We don't need to get caught flat-footed uh, scrambling because we don't know what to do uh, when opportunity uh, arises. Now, jumping back in to this topic about uh, our, our U.S.'s, uh, America's position on the world stage, you know, we we, we can't uh, botch our foreign policy and botch our domestic policy for years upon years upon years and uh, then expect to be able to jump to the aid, jump to the rescue of, of, of nations around the world. And America, as I've mentioned, and I keep regurgitating this over and over again, because um, the people in charge are sure not talking about it. And we're missing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And this is why I, I defend nationalism. And, and that word gets thrown around. It gets completely misused, and, and people don't understand what it is. But... If you can't have a nation, and in our case, thankfully, a nation that was founded on Judeo-Christian ideals and principles, but if you can't have a secure nation, a nation that has the rule of law, a nation that respects individuals' rights, such as America, we have a Bill of Rights, if you can't have a nation, a sovereign nation, that to, to the best of our ability, is independent and able to function and operate without foreign countries aiding us, 
if you can't have that, then you can't exert power and authority on the world stage. And, and, and right now, people want America to be weak, to be nimble, to be meek, to be uh, just another country on the world stage. But yet at the same time, they want us to turn around and exert enormous pressure and power on the world stage. And you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, uh, America's just an, another country in world history. Uh, there's nothing special about America. We're just another country in world history. And you nationalist, y'all need to stop focusing on America and start focusing on the world. And then you have the Christians that go, well, you know, uh, the gospel doesn't recognize borders. And you need to stop focusing on America. Uh, America's not the new Jerusalem. And they do all this stuff that, like, puts you in a corner and you're going, wow, man, I'm a terrible person. My worldview is out of whack. And they say all these things that are totally built on a faulty foundation. We talked about that, a faulty premise. Um, but but the, the point is, is you can be a Christian in America and defend America and want America to be able to be as independent as possible so that we're not reliant on Vladimir Putin's oil, so that we're not reliant on semiconductors and chips out of China so that we can have computers and vehicles made. But the globalists want us to all be intertwined to a very vulnerable degree with other countries that absolutely hate our guts. They want us to be intertwined with the international economy, and they want us to be tied at the hip of China and all these other countries, but yet they want to maintain liberty and freedom or at least they claim to. And so you just can't have it both ways. And so after all of this is said and done, the the people in the media and the Democrats and all the Republicans, they're all talking about how great Ukraine is and how um, Zelensky, the president, is is a champion. He's a he's a modern day warrior fighting for his country. Zelensky is fighting for nationalism. Zelensky is fighting for his fellow countrymen, fighting for his country because he doesn't want to be run by Putin. So Zelensky is a modern-day nationalist protecting the interest of his country, and he's being lauded by everyone. But if we talk about how we should protect America and not be reliant on Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping, well, then you're a racist, you're a hater, and you're a nationalist, and you just need to go back in your closet. It turns out, after all is said and done, that nationalism isn't so bad after all. We'll talk more about this after the break. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. Picture a stormy sea. 
The waves are rolling viciously and the sky is darker than night. The crack of thunder can be heard over the roaring wind. A tiny ship is thrown wildly up and down as it rides the waves. The crew is just about to lose hope when someone spots a sudden flash in the distance. A lighthouse. Lighthouse for the Lost, an article by Parker May. To read this article, visit EngageMagazine.net. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Miki. And we've been married 16 years. You know, one of the things that Miki asked me before we got married, she's like, why do you want to marry me? What is it about, about me? Really, the Lord had put on my heart that God was putting us together for destiny and for purpose, and that he had a ministry that he desired to do through us, that, you know, we were both ministering on our own, but together that God was going to, you know, use us to minister. There is no one who is closer to you than your spouse, and there is no one who knows you better, and this is by God's design. Marriage is the first institution that God has given us to, to shape us and to mold us and to show us ourselves. It's a beautiful picture. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and here's a very startling statistic. Every five minutes outside of America, a Christian is killed simply because they believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let me give you some perspective. By the end of the average hour-long worship service in America on a Sunday, 12 Christians will die, again, simply because of their faith. Now listen, persecution is arguably the top issue facing the global church today. I'm not saying that death is affiliated with every Every case of persecution, but at Bible League, we know Christians who are singled out, targeted, monitored, threatened with death, even killed simply because of their faith. Listen, we can do something about it by sending exactly what they're praying for to persevere and endure, and that's God's word at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20. Would you pray about it and then make your most generous gift by calling 800 Yes Word, 800 Y E S W O R D, or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org, and God bless you for. Caring. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core. You know, some people may think I'm heartless, I'm cruel, I'm mean, I'm so detached from reality. <laughs> oh, and they're Maybe a slimmer of truth there, um, but not much. What I'm doing is I'm trying to speak some sanity into a very emotional situation, and that's what that's what Ukraine is. You know, we're uh, we've got congressmen and congresswomen uh, running running Twitter, uh, running foreign policy Twitter. I mean, they're using Twitter to, to shape their foreign policy positions. And I'm not kidding. You look on Twitter, you, you see, number one, you've got congressmen, congresswomen. They're, they're tweeting out pictures that are not verified. Like, we think the picture took place in Ukraine, but we're really not sure. Uh, there was a story the other day. There was a video of a tank running over a, a pedestrian vehicle, and you watch the video and you go, Oh my, wow, 
uh, Vladimir Putin is committing war crimes. And that was the narrative. And you had a Fox News host, Brian Kilmeade, retweet it and go uh, something like disgusting. And and you build up this emotional case against uh, the world taking down Vladimir Putin. Well, as it turns out, that was a Ukrainian tank running over a Ukrainian pedestrian vehicle. And apparently it was an accident. Uh, I don't know the full context, but, and that's, that's exactly the point. I don't know the full context. I'm not on the ground in Ukraine. I'm not interviewing soldiers on, on what happened with that tank. Uh, but here we are, we're just retweeting it, you know, getting this narrative built up that that was a Russian tank running over a Ukrainian civilian. And it wasn't, it absolutely was not as, as the information came out. And then you have Adam Kissinger out here, uh, the congressman, He's he's tweeting out this photo of a what what is supposedly a Ukrainian Air Force pilot. Well, it wasn't. It was like a movie character from 2008 or something. Um. So the the story behind it was true, but the picture was totally fake. It was a it was a meme <laughs> from from a movie over a decade ago. And so we we just got to be careful. Um, trying to run foreign policy from this far away. And uh, also, these are the same people. You know, people say, well, man, Walker sure is cynical. These are the same folks that sent us into Afghanistan for 20 years. These are the same people that sent us into Iraq after weapons of mass destruction that weren't there. So you say I'm cynical. Well, yes, I am. And I have good reason to be. I don't trust the people making decisions. I don't trust them. And, 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 and listen, this will be the next argument. Well, we just need to send NATO troops in there. That means American troops. And, and we need to push Putin back to his border. Okay well, well, okay, well, let's do that. And then what? Well, we need to stay there. We need to fend off Russian aggression. Okay, that means NATO bases, uh, NATO troops in, in Ukraine until Jesus comes back. That's what that means. Uh, so that means uh, our sons and daughters over there uh, fighting against Vladimir Putin. So um, I understand the righteous outrage, the indignation, and the 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 sympathy and the uh, situation going on there. It's it's a terrible situation, um, and, and America should do everything at her disposal, except send American troops over there. Uh, and 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 we can't. Um, continue positioning ourselves for failure, but then acting as if uh, we need to go over there and save the day. And so it's it's it, this is this is decades in the making, and it's not going to be solved overnight. And we need to be very sober minded about what's going over there and ask ourselves: Is this something we really want to get involved with beyond what we already have done? Someone who is completely out of touch with our current situation on energy policy is the White House Press Secretary, Jen Psaki. She was questioned about, you know, is this whole relying on Putin's oil a good idea? Well, what does she do? She starts talking about electric vehicles. Clip two. Let's listen. On oil leases, what this actually justifies in President Biden's view is the fact that we need to reduce our dependence on foreign oil, on oil in general, and need to and we need to look at other ways of process of having energy in our country and others. One of the interesting things, George, we've seen over the last week or so is that a number of European countries are recognizing they need to reduce their own reliance on Russian oil. All right. Well, Jen Psaki was questioned there 
about on uh, George Stephanopoulos' show. She was questioned about, you know, hey, uh, White House, do you think we should maybe stop buying Russian oil? Instead, start producing our own oil again and being energy independent. <laughs> and she totally sidesteps that and says, well, let's don't really talk about that. Uh, let's talk about how we need to be looking for other sources of energy, other types of energy, rather. And instead of uh, ramping back up uh, domestic energy production. Well, news flash to Jen Psaki, there's not enough windmills and solar panels in this country to start cutting off oil and natural gas. And we are a long, long, long way from being able to rely on solar panels and windmills to run our country. We're decades, if not a century away from being able to do that. And that's assuming it all pans out how we think it's going to. But you ask Texas how the windmills went I don't know, about a year ago. Last winter, yeah. Yeah, a year ago. How did the windmills work out for you guys? And then you ask people who use solar panels how they work out on a cloudy day. Well, they don't work on a cloudy day. So you need energy from somewhere else. You need energy from somewhere else. And instead of using American soil, American energy, American workers, American dollars here in America... Uh, we're buying uh, our energy from Russia. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, speaking of relying on other countries for very critical uh, parts of society, uh, this chip shortage is really not getting the attention it should. And what I'm talking about is some call them semiconductors, some call them chips, but uh, there's the, there are these little computer chips that go in all of our equipment. They go in all of our vehicles. They go in our smartphones. They go in our computers. Um, and they, they're basically, uh, you can't run uh, some of these electronic systems without them. And so you, you drive by a, a new car lot here in America, and the car lot's half empty, and there's not many new cars. Well, the reason is, is the car manufacturers can't get enough of these computer chips to make uh, the needed quantity of vehicles here in America. And the same could be said about other technologies. Uh, technologies, other pieces of equipment uh, that are being uh, shortened because of the chip shortage. Well, where do we rely? Who do we rely on for much of our chip imports? China and Asia. China. We, re we rely on China pretty heavily for these computer chips. Well, all of a sudden, there's a shortage now for various reasons. And, and this is affecting not only the automotive industry, but various other uh, industries. And so we're thankfully, this is one of, the, one of the good things, one of the few things Congress did recently, is they invested in domestic semiconductor computer chip uh, production. They put about uh, $51 billion towards uh, building uh, domestic plants. There's, uh, let's see, there's two... Four new factories are slated in the country uh, to come online, two by Intel, uh, one by a company named TSMC in Arizona, and another by Samsung in Texas. So, you know, we're heading in the right direction by building our own semiconductor manufacturing facilities here in America, um, but this should have been done years ago. 
I mean, we should have never been put in a position to uh, be reliant on China for these semiconductors. And that's the point here is you say, well, okay, that's good. You know, they're headed in the right direction. They're correcting the mistake. But, folks, we, we pay we pay thousands of – we pay millions, actually, of federal employees uh, that that's, that's all their job is. Uh, we have a massive defense department. Uh, that, 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 that we, we hire thousands, tens of thousands of people that that's all their job is, is to make sure that America's national security is protected. And that includes our trade and our manufacturing. It includes all of that. And so this has been, you can't say it's been overlooked. It's been addressed and ignored because it's been down, the, the, the threat of China has been downplayed. And then here we are and we can't get enough chips uh, to make vehicles and to make other um, other pieces of equipment, other consumer goods, and now we're about three to four years out from having these semiconductor plants built uh, all around the country to hopefully get this thing back on track. Um, another uh, clip I want to play along the lines of the car shortage is clip five. Let's listen to this um, Fox Business report about the skyrocketing prices of not only new cars, but more importantly, used cars clip five let's listen it is just crazy maria a cold morning here in philadelphia but i'll tell you what is hot is the price of used cars take a look at this number uh in terms of inflation for used cars 40 percent more expensive this january compared to last january unheard of almost and you know some people blame the administration for inflation well in the case of vehicles uh, it is all about the uh, the chips. They can't get the chips. You can't sell new cars. Used car prices go up, and the experts say they have never seen anything like this. Listen. When we talk about new car prices, used car prices, old used cars, trade-ins, I don't care what it is. If you're looking at car anything, it's getting expensive, but nothing, absolutely nothing that compares to what we're seeing in today's market. And I want to give you a couple of examples because these examples are crazy. Take a look at a Dodge Caravan, a three-year-old Dodge Caravan. The folks at Edmonds took a look at this. It was selling for about 15 grand last January. That same three-year-old Caravan is now 25 grand. Oh my gosh, up 69%. And it's not just the SUVs. Uh, the Nissan Versa, kind of a cheap, smaller car, uh, was selling for under $10,000 last January, now 16,000. And I leave you with one final example of an actual car that we're looking at right now. This is a 2019 Chevy Equinox here at Barbera uh, Autoland in Philadelphia. When this went off the lot in 2019, when it was brand new, MSRP $26,700. Now it is on sale here for $29,984. Don't invest in crypto, Maria. Invest <laughs> in cars. Good point. Now's the time. That's a very good point. Well, probably a year ago was the time to invest in used cars, not now. But, um, so so Bobby and you you've been doing some car buying in recent months. Yeah, the, absolutely. He just stated that a 2019 vehicle is selling for more now than it did on the new car lot two years ago. And it doesn't have the resale value of a Toyota, I can tell you that. No, it's a Chevy. <laughs> and uh, we've got our Toyota, and I'm a Toyota fan. Yeah, big time. Um, and we got our, I'm sure we got our Chevy fans out there. But, Bobby, this is hitting 
this is hitting the middle class. Yes, yeah, the fabric of society. Absolutely. Because uh, Jeff Bezos, he doesn't care whether his car is thirty thousand or thirty five thousand. No. Uh, but you put a, a middle class or a lower income family needing a vehicle. This puts mm. them in a big predicament. Needing vehicles, needing petroleum products of all types. I mean, yep. you're not you're talking about gasoline, but the price of changing oil, transmission fluids, just maintenance uh, items in general. Those are all through the roof, mm-hmm. and and there is no um, there is no no real look in sight. Um, they're talking about maybe the last half of 2022, but uh, that's that's speculation at best right now. Yeah. And so uh, back to my point last segment as we wrap this up, the um, the case for for nationalism for uh, as the former president calls it America first policies. Um, you know, people kind of gloss over that. They ignore it. They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I get it. That's a political talking point. But no, it's serious. Uh, there is a reason uh, that President Trump was so serious and so adamant about putting America's interests first. It's because we have to be able, uh, in order to be able to exert American values and American power and American influence on the world stage, we cannot be beholden to the very countries that we claim to oppose. Whether it's China, whether it's Russia, uh, no matter what country we're talking about, America has, if if we want to be influential on the world stage, which we all agree we do, then we have to position ourselves to where we are not reliant, beholden, and hostage to the very people that we claim to be against and the very people that we claim to be wanting to fend off their aggression and their values that don't match ours. So nationalism, folks, despite the word on the street (laughs) and despite the media, nationalism is a good thing. It's about protecting the homeland and protecting our values and our way of life because we believe in it. And we believe it's the right thing to do. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.